Welcome to the new game Bullshit. The first panel here at uh, Midwest Gaming Classic. Uh, how's it going, everybody? Hello. What's going on? <laughs> so, um, I'm Jeffrey Wittenhagen. Kyle Gilbert. And we are Video Game Bullshit Gaming Podcast. So, uh, we BS about video games. So Yeah, we're on our fourth season. Fourth season. Year four. Year four, VGBS. Um, we are going to do a little bit of an announcement uh, at the end of our panel of what we have coming for the finale of season four. Uh, yes. be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, basically, we're going to talk about the theme of today's panel here that we're going to BS about. We're talking hidden gaming gems. And a hidden gaming gem to me is different than a hidden gaming gem to Kyle, Mm. than a hidden gaming gem to some of you. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to talk about our version, what it means to us, talk about a few of our games. We're going to go to old, we're going to go to new, we're going to go to indie, Uh, we're going to do a little bit of everything. Yeah, for sure. So Anything and everything we can. So the hidden gaming gems themselves, Kyle. So yeah. what does a hidden gaming gem mean to you? Well, really, it's, uh, it's something not a lot of people know about or talk about or have played to the point where they realize this is a really awesome game. Yeah. You know, and that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I think a lot of it, too, people, the reasons why people don't know about those games, Yeah. you know, it could be the marketing or the actual cover of the game. Oh, absolutely. Like, know? there's a lot of factors why people don't know about some of the amazing games out there. Tons. And, of course, we always, even in the podcast, we have a, a bad habit of focusing on the NES because that's our bread and butter. <laughs> yeah. We, we freaking love <laughs> that system. We just can't help it. But there are all types of systems that have hidden gems. Uh, the other aspect that I always like to hit on with hidden gaming gems is that it might be a game that we do all know about, but we think the game's garbage because of a uh, you know, YouTuber went on and talked smack about it or because you know we've heard about it. Um, a perfect example that we've been talking about this weekend just while we were drinking vodka last night over here on the, uh, the floor, um, Star Tropics. Like, Star Tropics, published by Nintendo, pretty much everybody knows about it. You know, Mike Jones throwing his yo-yo to attack people, but it's, it really is unappreciated. So something that's unappreciated or underrated also falls in that hidden gaming gems category for me. Um, a classic one for Kyle was always on the Atari 2600. Everybody knows Pac-Man and how, like, atrocious it was. <laughs> oh, yeah. But Junior Pac-Man on the Atari 2600 is a solid iteration of the game. It's fun to play. It really is. Because you had Miss Pac-Man, which kind of saved the day. There's a cool Pac-Man game we can play on the 2600. Awesome, awesome. Exactly. But then you had Junior Pac-Man, which you go up and down and scrolled. Pretty revolutionary for the time. And on Junior Pac-Man, just the flow of it. It's really yeah. fast-paced. The control is really crisp. Mm-hmm. And that's the big thing. Many of the gems, the control is super crisp. Yeah. So it's a playable. It's not. It doesn't feel broken in any way where you have to adjust your own... So, so you don't feel like the game cheated you. It's your own skills that got that, you to lose a life. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So before we go get off too far off on a tangent, <laughs> of course I have to do my own plug because the because I write books on crazy game stuff, and my first book was about hidden gaming gems. 
And that's where we kind of are anchoring, because whenever we do a panel, we kind of go around whatever books I'm releasing around the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm re-releasing it in my current high quality with the giant book. I have 400 pages already done and written and laid out. Um, I have a delay with one of my previous books. Otherwise, it would be launched on Kickstarter now. Um, but basically, we're going to talk about a little bit about Hayden, Hidden Gaming Gems, also that we've written about and had podcast episodes on. Right. So that's kind of where I want to go right now mm. is that we talk about some of our crazy-ass podcast episodes that got us to find a few Nintendo games that I knew about as a kid. For example, Vice Project Doom oh, yes. that was on the cover of Nintendo Power, mm-hmm. and I still never really played the game because I saw the whole spread, everything, but it was never at the rental stores when I was growing up. Yeah, really obscure. So I never saw it, never had the money to buy games as a kid. Uh, I would rent games, so it wasn't there, so I never played it. And then we're sitting there playing it for our bullshit homework. And we call it bullshit homework. Um. Explain that. Yeah, and we always try to play. We pick a game and we hold each other accountable for. It's like pretend that you just yeah. rented this game and try to get as far as you can, not without save states, without game genie. No, just to jump play. street. Press power and see what you can do. And then for my own personal stance when we're doing homework games for the podcast, I avoid the internet too. So I don't go to game FAQs and look up anything. I literally just play it like I would pop it in the Nintendo and go. And that's where we have that cool dichotomy where he has that part where he can say, this is how it is from a blind part, and then I'll actually look up mm-hmm. the, the speed runs and the no death runs and see like little hints that they have yeah. so we can just go back and forth like ping pong. And, and then like throughout the week, we'll shoot the shit via emails. and kind of, It's almost like back in the day when we were on the playground <laughs> yes. and we're sitting there giving like hey I found this strategy on this boss he was kicking my ass really? last night and Whoa, like we're yeah. figuring out like <laughs> different ways to beat enemies and it really feels like the old school style yeah now to say some though we are procrastinating on Shinobi 3 for like six months now or longer but that's okay <laughs> like we've been like we have such a backlog finding every excuse to like we gotta get through the Shinobi 3 it's such an amazing game but it's that daggone waterfall level where you're climbing up the rocks the and rocks. it's kicking that's my tough. ass right now and I those re- four scrolls are never fun I, re- I refuse <laughs> and that that game isn't hidden at all that's just a gem that's yeah a most people game. know about yeah. that one but like a hidden gaming gem on the Genesis that goes hand in hand Tons. Talk yeah. about Glaylancer. Yeah, there's Guy Harris. Like, well, a lot of shoot 'em ups. Well, and it's really, uh, I would say, the shoot 'em ups is probably the most untapped part of the Genesis slash Absolutely. Mega Drive, you know, where you have, um, like, Guy Harris, where there's a ship on the cover, but you don't really, you can't really tell what it is. Yeah, the outset, yeah, yeah, and the name is really weird. It's like G A I A R E S. So a lot of people pronounce it different, and a lot of shoot 'em ups have that because you had that Zevius and Zaxxon, and so they tried to include those Z's and the X's and the Y's and make it all like exotic. But, but I, I mean, Gaius, Gaius did have that awesome ad in the magazines with the guy with the mullet said, Gaius is awesome, yeah, and it's mullets. like the one dude. Like, that's like the coolest promo of all time, though. And what's cool about that game is um, you can actually you take the power ups from the bad guys so yeah you can like target their ship and then you get their power up now what i love most about this you can target like a like a mid boss and so, no and then you absorb that mid boss's power and you actually get expanded power and what's really cool about that too is that you never really feel at a disadvantage while playing Gaius because you can 
absorb from the next enemy, even if you lose a life. Because that's one of the, my pet peeves when I'm playing um, horizontal or vertical scrolling shoot 'em up. Mm. Is that when you lose a life and then you have to start all the way over, having to repower up all your ships. Yeah. And Gyarus actually feels like it's, and I'm gonna say it differently every time, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, like that's just what I do. Um, but it, it really feels fair from a difficulty standpoint. Sure, because if you want to get the boss's weapon, it takes a little longer, so you have to scan it, meaning you have to dodge the boss's attacks yeah. longer. So it's a re- it's a risk versus reward system. Yep, which is awesome. And this one is a side-scrolling shoot 'em up like Gradius, um, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of vertical ones too, like uh, yeah. Elemental Master. Which this is Elemental one where master. You, you're not a ship, you're a sorcerer. And Elemental Master is a shoot 'em up, yeah. but when you look at the cover, it looks like it would be a platformer. Yeah, it's it's just a guy like a sorcerer casting. You know, yeah, a, a guy spell. casting spells with like the little like craziness. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. Because that goes hand in hand. Because there's another game for the Genesis called Rings of Power that's similar box art too. To, to the game we were just talking about. So it's like crazy like how some games have a certain aesthetic for the cover. Yes. And it kind of like, oh, I saw both of them on a shelf. Let me pick up this one. This was a badass shoot em up. Right. This Elemental Master. And, and it's it, awesome. And I, it's like. I think the problem with that though, if you think it's a platformer, when you buy it, you're, or when you rent it, whatever, you're kind of. It's not what you thought you were getting. Yeah. I mean, there, of course, there's the, the back art, but that only told you so much. And that's the whole difference what we always talk about with YouTube today, where you can preview stuff. Or back in the day, it was like a mystery. Yeah. It's like, I, I hope this is awesome. It looks awesome. When it, when it came to renting, that was always cool. <laughs> but when it came to buying, it would be disheartening, when, especially yeah. when you're stuck with it. Because yeah. like for me growing up, it was 20 to 30 minutes to get to the store. So if I got the game back home, I was keeping that sucker. My parents were not taking me back to turn that in. Like I was stuck with it, so I had to make a good choice. Most of my friends have the Dick Tracy one where it's like... Oh, oh the Dick Tracy story. $50. And, Sad, though. Because oh. you're a kid, you're saving up week after week, and then yeah, it's one of those games. Like It's, it's classic, an esoteric so. one. You can play it, but you have to know what to do. It's not like a pick up and play. And then like back in the day, I mean, even it wasn't really covered that well in Nintendo Power. Like it was it had like a couple little spots here and there. Uh-huh. So like you had to figure it out. And mm-hmm. if, if everybody wasn't playing it on the schoolyard, like nobody's giving you any hints. <laughs> it's, it's bad, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. where that's where a lot of frustration kicked in. It's the AVGN helps. Yeah, yeah, AVGN yeah. now has helped bring light to a lot of that stuff for sure. <laughs> It's craziness. Yeah. Craziness. So, on the topic with shoot 'em ups and avoiding the NES, <laughs> we can go from the vertical shoot 'em ups and go from Gyarus to Spriggan on the PC Engine CD. Oh, yeah. That's a must play. And that is like so fun. one of the best. And so fair, ups. though. The fairness, but it's also, you're a ship, but it's like medieval. So, it's almost a mix of both. So, let's There's butcher, what's the full name? Let's butcher the full name. Sairi Sensei Spriggan? <laughs> Because <laughs> there's two Spriggans. There's Spriggan Mark II that's yes. not that's, the same style. That's a, a side scroll. Yeah, horizontally scrolling. Spriggan is a vertical. And the vertical scrolling, it's like all the orbs that you collect. It's colors. And there's a triple orb stack deal with Spriggan where you have like blue, green, red. And there's there's an orange that's like kind of power, right? And you can have blue, green, and you blue, can do or green, blue, green, blue, blue, green, blue, blue, blue. They all do something and slightly different. And they all different. change up your shot patterns. And that's another one where there's so many freaking orbs that if you find something you like, you can't really can't dodge them without taking a hit. Yeah, so it's like Super Ghouls and Ghosts where the orb becomes its own, like, obstacle. Yeah. <laughs> Which 
Which is cool. But there's so many that you never feel like, oh, I'm not going to get that again yeah, either. And it charge. helps with lives. Because that's my big thing, like I already said, with shoot 'em ups It has to be a fair difficulty. I have to be able to play well, it, enjoy it, and even when I lose a life, I'm not starting over at zero. Well, you have that super R-type type yeah. where... You start from the beginning of the level, and it's like a memorization game. Mm -hmm. Where like, okay, well, punishment, okay, you're back. And the, the really cool thing with that and a lot of PC Engine Turbo Graphics 16 shoot 'em ups is they have like the caravan aspect, which they carried over from the Famicom Super Famicom, where they had summer caravan yes. competitions. You're talking like Rekka for yep. the Famicom. That's Later on was like, um, was it Nexor and Nexor, a few other? Yeah, yeah. So with Spriggan, they have not only do they have the classic time attack that you would have with the um, with the carnivals, mm -hmm. but there's also a score attack mode too. And it's like slightly different. It still feels like a time attack to me. But there's like a score attack mode and a time attack mode for Spriggan, and it's just really cool. And it's just how fast and how far you can go and rack up as many points as possible during a finite amount of time. Yeah. Which is um, one of the things that, like, the Star Soldier for the PC Engine had. But then there's also, like, other Star Soldier games, like Soldier Blade. Soldier Blade. Which a lot of people don't know PC about. Engine. But it's really obscure. It's, the price has kind of gone up. Yep. Because of the obscurity. But um, it's you never know if you're going to run across it. That's the thing. So, going hand-in-hand hand with that as we follow down the bullshit river. <laughs> <laughs> I have to mention my buddies in the homebrew scene. And... Going with that, Blade Buster mm. was actually developed out in the east, um, out you know, out in China. Definitely. And um, Blade Buster is a shoot 'em up. It's a carnival style caravan shoot 'em up, and it's only time attack. Mm -hmm. The game is amazing, yeah. and it's it's a new developed NES game. Um, I'm trying to get the word homebrew out of my vocabulary. It's hard because everybody knows what a homebrew is. Because, like, the games are starting to transcend and compare to actual NES releases. And Blade Buster looks as good as Rekka. In some ways, it's a diminutive term. A little bit. Because, because it, it kind of puts it on another, like, lower rung. And, but it's not. But... It's up, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Exactly, so. and some of the games that we're going to talk about today throughout the panel are available right over here around the corner at the Nintendo Age Room to play. Like, oh, yeah. there's so Check many over there. <laughs> there's like, our plug for that. And the, the key is, is that hidden gaming gems fall into that one because that's already a niche thing. Mm -hmm. Only so many people know about new NES games. That makes it, yeah. And then when somebody like me does black box challenge with one of my book releases and I only put out 80 copies and nobody can play it because it's on some crazy ass mapper that doesn't work in an emulator. It's like, oh, there's only 80 copies out there. Well, only those in the know are going to know about it. You gotta it's have the crazy. physical one. Yeah, if you don't exactly. have the physical, you can't play it. So that's hidden. Just yeah. like Haunted Halloween, uh, 85 and 86, those are, you know, they're still limited. And, and luckily, those guys, they go to all these conventions. They're here at the yeah, cellar floor. Yeah, you see them here. And, and those guys but are it's awesome. still a microcosm. The cool, yeah. and, and to me, the coolest thing, and I think we've mentioned it years past, mm -hmm. is that you can literally hang out and drink with the guys and find out what <laughs> drove them to make the games. Yeah. And you get, like, a more intimate experience because you get to shoot the shit with the programmers. Absolutely. It's like if one of the old school NES programmers was here doing a panel and you got to hang out with them and, you know, just shoot the breeze and find out what made him tick. Tick that brain. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to talk with the guy who did the art from Mega Man 2 at Portland. And we were just, you know, shooting the shit, oh. talking about, like, <laughs> like how what, what he didn't know about the game when he made the art. He was just what he was told, and it was, like, hilarious. That's really interesting, though, because, like, what the heck, right? Yeah, and you would think, like, stuff like that. 
And it's really cool to delve into the psyche of programmers and what drives them. Mm-hmm. It's really crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we went over to Haunted Halloween 85 okay, and 86. Yeah, went over to the NES, brand new Nintendo games. Alia, too, um, though. Legends of Alia by Gradual Games is so that one's an action RPG. Yeah, like your Zelda. Like Zelda. But they split off the levels like level by level. So you go through, you fight a boss in Alia, then you go to like almost like World Two. And you can't like explore back at World One. Mm. It's kinda like progression. Like linear fashion. Yeah. Exactly. And it's really cool. Um, I mentioned Black Box Challenge. That one was an RPG where you collect Nintendo games in a Nintendo game and then play those Nintendo games you collect in your house in the game. <laughs> Mini games. Yeah. It's freaking crazy. <laughs> like, I brought a demo card of it and have it over here for everybody to play since it's not available anywhere so everybody can experience it. Things crazy, though. Mm-hmm. But the game is really rad. And so, like, imagine getting Super Mario Brothers in the game. There's a little Atari-style minigame based on Mario to play, mm-hmm. which is it's just really fun. And Sly Dog Studios did that game, which they also did the Mad Wizard and Rise of Amundus and uh, NES Virus Cleaner. And he's done a ton of really cool, unique games. Always, the music's always driven by like bass, heavy bass lines. Always nice. Really cool. Um, that's the other aspect is the artists, the music. All the, the aesthetic. Exactly. All, all of it combined hits that grand slam. So before we continue on retro, let's talk about a new one. All right. um, Kyle wanted to talk about, we want to talk about 3D dot game heroes. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about 3. that. Yeah. That to me, nobody really talks about because that is literally. A love letter to Zelda Link to the Past. Uh-huh. Uh, everything is in 3D dots, but it is an overhead Zelda game. That's exactly what it is. It's cool when you hit something and it explodes, like the dot effect yeah. is its own special, unique thing. And your sword just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, so you feel kind of like cloud strife a little the bit. The entire freaking screen is a sword <laughs> it's when like you have full hearts. Well, it's almost full, like wait, not full hearts, full, full apples. Apples. It has to be apples. Hearts to apples. <laughs> yeah, it's just so really great. crazy. Yeah. And they added like a collector aspect where you can hit them with a with the actual book and then you collect them in the book once you kill the enemy with the book. And the book has like no damage <laughs> to it, but you have to hit him with the book. It's really crazy, <laughs> man. Yeah. It's like they added a bunch of new modern tropes to it, which was really cool. And then all the loading screens are classic NES uh, ti- like titles. There's a Castlevania one that's like the box art from Castlevania. That's a loading screen. There's a bunch of really cool yeah, stuff to that. Thing. So and, they had and that. And you can mind. create your own character. So like you can mm-hmm. create your own protagonist. Download them online. I did that back in the day. Downloaded them online. Put cool. them on. The- <laughs> Good times. Yeah, it is really <laughs> cool. And that was actually the cover of my original Hidden Gaming Gems right. book. Which was, was a great cover. Because I loved that. Yeah. And that's where I stopped at, because I do generation by generation. Right. But now, I mean, when I'm re-releasing, I'm talking about new games, including stuff for the Switch. So one for the Switch that's out right now that I told Kyle about, he wasn't tracking, was Golf Story. Which is literally mm. a golf RPG that's drawn with 16 bits. That's, so it's like, cool it's because, like ridiculous. I mean, golf RPG, that's so, when do you get that? And, and what I explained to Kyle was, I was like, imagine just taking the golf ball and just dropping it down and hitting it at people. So, like run around in the RPG level and just like hit golf balls and stuff. And, Messing around. And then you'll see like a little like bullseye sitting over there on the side and you hit a ball at it and then it, it, it triggers something. It's like, oh, one of five. Now you got to go look for extra stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you level up and get an EXP, which EXP increases your shot range. And the bar works exactly like NES Open on the Nintendo. Like, it's, it's just classics. And there's so many now that are just coming out and 
with the Switch, I feel like that's going to be the platform that's going to allow a lot of the Steam developers to get noticed on a smaller market. Even though the Switch is huge and really popular, Steam is like like flooded with awesome games, and I think it's really easy for a lot of developers to get lost there. And I think going to the Switch, especially if it's retro-looking, I think they're really going to stand out. Um, one that was kind of like 3D Dot Game Heroes, where it had a lot of retro aesthetic to it. It was like a launch a digital title. It's Comico. I don't know if anybody played Comico, Kamiko. Mm. Um, so you play as three different characters, run around in a Zelda-style game. You uh, collect these different types of items and cool things to where you level up your character's power. And it almost has like a gauntlet feel to it, where enemies will keep coming at you. And you literally kill them all. And as you kill them, like a, a combo starts hitting up. And when you, when you do the combos, it starts killing enemies faster. And it goes really crazy and builds up tons of points. And it's a really, really fun game. And your uh, attack power as you do more combos also increases. Okay. And so I went through and I've beaten it with the different characters. And all three characters, one's like a Link clone. One has different arrows that you can shoot. And then another one's like kind of a mix between the two. Mm-hmm. And it's like I'm seeing a lot of that, that there's like a different retro aesthetic. There's a complete Link to the Past clone on the on the Switch, too, that I haven't even really hit the uh, surface with. It's called, like, a Blossom Tail huh. on the Switch yeah, as well. Yeah, there's so many on the Switch, and I feel like that is going to be a system that we're going to be talking about, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, that we're going to be like, hey, do you remember this and this? And you're going to be like, no. More hidden gems. Yeah. And, you know, of course, they went back to cartridges, too, even though they're tiny little cards. Those are so small. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then you got, and then you got the cool companies that will do, like, the full NES-style release with them where they'll put, like, little manuals in it and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think we're seeing a whole revival with the indies and the homebrew scenes and everything. It's kind of showing real, like, developers for the big companies that, you know, hey, there's a big market for this, that people love this stuff. And, I mean, it's a testament when there's, like, 500 people waiting to get an MGC today. Like, it's crazy. Like, there's, like, a giant line, and it's, like, the the convention scene's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year. Mm -hmm. And I I think that we're going to see, though, more hidden gaming gems popping up on these newer systems on the digital side. I just hope that Limited Run Games starts putting out more copies so I can get all of their releases when they put them physically physically on for the switch yeah and i used to think a few years back that all the hidden gems were found for the nes but i think kind of dust covers it again and again let's 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 peel so, back the onion to some some nes yeah, and we started as far as platformers go which i think the nes shines because you have mega man castlevania mario mm-hmm. contra just one after the other after the other after the other so for a platforming uh type of gamer that to me that and probably the pc engine uh, Turbo Graphics as well, mm-hmm. Genesis, Super Nintendo. Those would be the the ones that you'd strive to go yeah. after. Um, and as we mentioned, Vice Project Doom. We mentioned it very slightly, but as far as Vice Project Doom, there's kind of what I call like your Batman type clones. Yeah, where yeah, Bat- Batman, Batman on for the NES is yep. amazing, and or like. Uh, Gaiden 2, like Ninja sure. Gaiden. Yeah, especially uh, when you get to Ninja Gaiden 2 and 3, where you get more of the Geiger aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Too, where it starts to get a little crazy. Which comes into that Shatter Hand. Yep. And Shatter Hand, Kabuki Quantum Fighter. Mm-hmm. There's so many of those that are just 
excellent games. And we've covered those in VGBS episodes where we're talking how to fight every boss, all the different level aesthetics, the music, everything about those games is killer. And it's like, why did we not know about those growing up? Yeah, Kabuki Quantifier, like, you'd, you'd never see that around, you know. Exactly. Just, just like Vice, I mean. None of those. But just and for some reason, the advertising or the distribution, whatever it was, just didn't penetrate. Well, and I think, too, like, if you go back to, like, seeing Vice Project Doom and Nintendo Power, is that it almost, we were into, like, oh, that just looks like that game, so it's a like cookie-cutters-type thing, and we kind of didn't play them. I already played Ninja Gaiden. I don't need to play but this now, one. But now, years later... Now, years later, like, like, damn, I never experienced that game. We like, want a new experience. Exactly. It's you ridiculousness, know. and it's it's craziness. Wacky Races, too. Yeah, uh, I, that's where I, as well. I figured you're going to go to. So yeah, Wacky Races. Wacky great. Races isn't as obscure because of the NES collector market. It's gotten more popular. It's a late release that it, ha- it commands a pretty high price. Those Hanna-Barbera ones. But know, it, like is a, it is like a palatable... Uh, Mario Brothers 3 experience mm-hmm. because you're literally playing as Muttley from yes. the, the Wacky Races yep. game, but it's a platformer and Muttley has that little hover aspect yeah, to him. Yeah, you can float with, his... with the tail. You float somehow, somehow a dog's tail helps him float. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <sense>. it works. <laughs> it works. It makes the game better. And, and the controls, though, are solid for the game. And it's kind of like that decap attack yeah. deal where, decap attack. where you float down, you can kind of press A and like bide your time before so, yeah. the next platform so, so that's another one Decap Attack on the Sega Genesis which was Magical Hat which was Magical in Hat Japan. in Japan on the uh, super, or the Mega Drive, Mega Drive yeah. but on the Nintendo there's a game called Kid Cool that is not that good oh man but it connects and then the sequel to Kid Cool spiritually is Psycho Fox on the Sega Master which System which is better which is better yeah. so basically Kid Cool has this thing where you run in and all of a sudden goes like that and you just fall right off the daggone pits every single time which AVGN and Psycho Fox fixed it a little bit better to where you could almost get it down to almost like skateboarding and you can jump and fly it still had a slipperiness to it exactly but but it it was better but then when they moved to Magical Hat on the Mega Drive they mastered it to the point where you can because you have the little flutter fall and then of course coming to the you know the states because you know Genesis does they had to literally make it a horror aesthetic and make it to Cap Attack where you're throwing off a because, like, literally, you throw this little buddy in Kid Cool, in Psycho Fox, oh. and in Magical Hat. Well, yeah. that's his head in Decapitate. Right, which is pretty cool. Pretty creative, actually, yeah. for horror fans. The only thing with the Cap Attack that they changed that I, that kind of didn't translate was some of the level layouts. It, you almost can't tell where some of the platformers, the platformers are until you get used to the level design. They almost look they're, like ice cubes. They're almost like just like, Clear, a, a, like one line, one little transparent line. Yeah. Oh, that's what you jump on to, to get up in levels. <laughs> right. But with that flutterfall, that completely changed the game with that series and made that actually a hidden gem. Mm-hmm. Because Kid Cool is still not a good game. Playing Psycho Fox, because we did an episode on Psycho Fox and the whole Vic Toy Kai quadrilogy. Right. Tetralogy. Tetralogy. (laughs) (laughs) When we say quadrilogy, that's not a real thing. It's tetralogy. That's a real Um, But, like, we went through it. I went back and played, and Kid Cool is very playable if you play Psycho Fox and get used to the mechanics. But, like, just popping in Kid Cool, you see why the AVGN got pissed off at it. Yeah. Like, it is... It's a special project. you got to set that one aside. It's a special project. Memorize all the levels. Yeah. But, but... Not Decap Attack is excellent. Yeah, you can just pick up and play that one and get so, reasonably far. So another one with Decap Attack, and it's people knew about it but didn't really appreciate it as much as I feel like we did growing up was Kid Chameleon. Oh, God. 
Kid Chameleon was awesome because you would literally get all the different helmets and different hats, and it would change them. There's a Jason mask. You can run around with the little cleaver. It was in cleavers, like a little hatchet, right? Mm, samurai. Yeah, and there was a samurai version. The tank skull dude. Like. So, like, every time I had nostalgic feelings of uh, Keith Courage and, Al- and Alpha Zones, it was mm. actually me thinking about our playing Kid Chameleon. They do kind of look similar with the dark... Because they diff, definitely have the same kind of aesthetic. And I play Keith Courage now. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's <laughs> not the game I was playing. It's Kid Chameleon. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the problem with Keith Courage, every level is, like, the same. They just add yeah. more difficulty. So it's light, and then you get the dark. But the, those but with, two graphics never change. But with Kid Chameleon, every level, it, there's, like, every you know, amazing. water, ice, the classic. It's yeah. got all the, the lava level, yeah. And so, like, people don't really talk about that too often, which is crazy because the game is a solid game. You had it, so it's, it wasn't that hidden. It's tough, I will say. But, That's one tough game. Yeah. You can actually beat it in, like, I think I did a few-minute uh, speed run. I can't remember what it was like. Okay, so you can beat it pretty it quickly. Was under, I think it was under 10 minutes. Okay. there's, like, a warp that you can hit in the... Oh, okay. Yeah, at the, I think it's in the first stage. There's, like, Act 1 and Act 2. I think it's in Act 2 of the first stage. Uh, and you just get on this block and you like go to the the end boss. Oh, so you literally just skip right to the end. But that's not if you want to beat it all the way through. Oh it's ridiculous. man, brutal. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so it's like so that's another Genesis treat. So we haven't talked about anything Super Nintendo. Mm, yeah, um, I would like to delve into because again, games that like command a little bit higher of a price for the Super Nintendo. Talk about some beat 'em ups. Mm. Um, I know Kyle was talking about one this morning. He's like, we got to talk about uh, Knights of the Round. Yeah. The Capcom beat up Capcom stuff. There's a lot of Capcom ones. And I, I've, I've seen a few people talking about it, but it's like, you can't accentuate how awesome King of Dragons yeah. and Knights of the Round and so many of those games, they're almost cookie cutter because you're playing as, you know, the Knights of the Round Table and King Arthur and all of that. But it's like the games are so well done. The mechanics are awesome. You go through the game if you have a real sense of like pride as you're sitting there knocking down enemies because of the sound effects really make it feel like you're making impact with the enemies. Oh, the graphics are great. The the whole thing is great. I mean Capcom's got a ton, like Captain Commando. Captain Commando, which yeah. is where Capcom kinda that's their mascot. Yeah. And they, they threw that out in the arcades and then ported it over to the Super NES. Absolutely. That always confused me because 1942, if you look at the instruction manual, it's got Captain Commando on the front. Yeah. And they were trying to, you know, make him the mascot, but it just was like, what is, is, I got 1942, this isn't. Yeah. <laughs> I remember there was like a whole history of a YouTube video on, on actual Captain Commando and it was, it was really cool. And the thing was, is the first game we got though was the beat em up one, which mm-hmm. was interesting. But yeah. it's like, you, you think that they were going to market it to some kind of, like, platform or something back mm. in the day, and it just never materialized. Magic Sword's pretty cool, too. Magic it's, Sword? It's another Capcom. It's more platformer. You, like, work your way up a castle-type thing or something. So, Magic Sword, though, looking at the box art, thinking of Magic Sword just sounds like a Zelda game to me. Well, it's really generic. Yeah, and it was pretty cheap when I like, found it when title, I was collecting. The title is. And I, I pop it in, I'm like, oh, this is a pretty cool beat-em-up, mm-hmm. like, little action beat-em-up That game. was one that I rented and I almost beat the first time. Yeah. It's like one of those where... It's Troll's really good, you can just pick it and play it, you know? And then there was, like, a classic I mentioned. I was like, well, we got to talk about Sega Saturn game, and Kyle didn't even know what Guardian Heroes. <laughs> it's, yeah, like, amazing. And it's, like, those that know Sega, J- Sega Saturn, know of Guardian Heroes. It's not hidden for Saturn collectors, but, but it's hidden for general gamers, the, I think. The global. Yeah. And they did a Game Boy Advance port later, which was different, Guardian Heroes Advance. And there's a different game, but it actually has the same kind of... 
gameplay. It's really has a really deep gameplay for playing it on the Sega Saturn 2. Has this awesome cartoon art style, pretty verbose uh, character selection where everybody feels a little different as you play through nice. them. Like it's a really awesome game on the Saturn. Really showed what, you know, like that there's still a lot left with 2D games in an era when they're really pushing the envelope on polygons. Yeah, and you mentioning like all the characters have something different. Uh, gain ground for the Genesis. Gain ground on the Genesis. That's yes. awesome. You like save people, but then you get them in your crew. It's kind of like a, a top down. Kind of like Gauntlet a little, but you but beat it's strategic. One level, then you go to the next level. Then you go. So to the next you'll level. so you'll see it's, the it's level. The level's laid out like top down, and they'll, you'll see the enemies. There'll be like eight enemies, and you take your two characters like cooperatively yeah. and then so you go up and you, you kill them all and then you go across and you'll see like little buddies and when you get the buddies you can switch out to the other characters and there's a lot of them though there's probably a, a 10 yeah. at least 10 and they all have little different powers like the there's more than 10 the, yeah Lots. there's a lot because the, the more you play and there's the more a, new guys and there's a normal lot. attack and a secondary attack the secondary attack, sometimes you can shoot them high with different characters. Other characters will shoot, like, a different spell. Yeah, like, there's an archer. You can hit the guys on top of the tower. So. And it's all different eras. You have knights and archers. It's and really unique. You have sorcerers. Because it's strategy, but yet it's level by level. And it was released for a lot of systems, not just the Genesis. And arcade. It was released in the arcade. It was also released for the PC Engine. Mm-hmm. Um, it has awesome because it was released PC on the CD, CD, right? So it has the CD audio. The soundtrack's amazing. I think that might be my favorite version because of the oh, CD. Oh yeah, you audio can't beat that it. soundtrack. It's awesome. On the CD, yeah. So it's PC like it's just like there's just so many games that we could go on forever and ever about it. Um, one of the things that I'm doing with my with my book too is talking about different Commodore 64 games. So, everybody knows about Friday the 13th on the NES. I mean, I saw a, hood, a guy with a hoodie, yeah, Friday the 13th on the now. back. Yeah. There's Friday the 13th on the Commodore 64. And it's literally a top-down, whodunit-style game where you go around the level. The music's grating, by the way. It's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just... But it's like, you go around the top-down, and you see all these characters wandering around. And you do little camp, camp counselor bios for each counselor. Mm. And you walk around. You can go inside all the buildings. There's weaponry sitting around. You can use it to swipe. Um, I always grab the axe because you can see the axe swipe. Um, and you can literally kill all the counselors walking around as your character. You can kill them all. Because one of them is masquerading... And it's Jason masquerading as a camp counselor. Mm-hmm. And you'll you'll be, like, literally seeing, and you'll see, like, kind of like in the NES when Jason would pop up and you would see, like, a, the, the little counselors and the kids' heads or the health going down. Yeah. You'll time. see a counselor's health going down, and all of a sudden you hear a scream. And it's one of those, like, jump scare, like, ah, right. like, real loud. It's like, it just... Like, blurts out your TV. <laughs> and so then Jason kills someone. Uh-huh. And what you have to do is you have to kind of figure out where he is on the screens. I end up just running to a screen and killing everybody until I kill Jason and beat the level. But yeah. <laughs> you don't really get penalized for killing the other counselors, which is hilarious to me. Well, I think just um, and just being Jason, in my opinion, is, is what people want. So you get to literally kind of be the bad guy if you want you, to. You don't want to be the yeah. counselor guy. You want to be Jason. Yeah. That, in my opinion... We talk about Jason, we got to talk about Freddy. Mm-hmm. Um, we both consider the original Nightmare on Elm Street game on the NES kind of a hidden gaming gem because you can play four right. players simultaneously. Yeah. It is LJN, you know, you got the rainbow of garbage that you right. have right on the cover. Well, LJN but was, they didn't actually 
programming. No, LJN was just a marketing and licensing company. It was they programmed. would just take stuff that was licensed and put it on a cartridge. If you play like WrestleMania Challenge, the actual like player yeah. one looks just like um, your player. Very mm-hmm. similar. You can see the music yeah. too. Has that same like the engine? Yeah. So he's talking about your player in the wrestling game. The sprite for like it is the one. same sprite yeah. as your character in Nightmare on Elm I mean, Street. It's super similar. It's really crazy. Yeah. Well, the cool thing is with uh, Elm Street too, you can turn into like a ninja. Yeah. You, know, you can turn into like a, a high jumper type. Yeah. thing. Yeah. Like I always track. wanted to play it in the actual nightmare mode because even though the enemies were a little harder, you got to use all the abilities. You got to throw what's throw the javelin and you got to do the, the flip and And you have to be asleep to do that. So there's like this wake and then you fall asleep yep. and that's when Freddy comes and you have those like But if, mid-boss you, if you do battles. it too long you have to do the mid boss battles. Yeah. Right? So it's kinda like t- there it's is a, risk, a time it's aspect. a risk versus reward aspect. And there is to a timing. It. So and of course you're the dream warrior. So it's, yeah, it's based part off three, part three. Which yeah. is my favorite it's movie probably the, the best one yeah. next to the first one. It's my favorite. Those are um, the two. So then there's also, though, a Nightmare on Elm Street, the Dream Warriors, on the Commodore 64 and on the PC that was released. Where yes. you, it's more like a top-down type of a game. And I can never find a digital copy of that to work on my Commodore at all. Because I have one of those... like So there's EverDrives and SD cards for all the systems. I have like a little Commodore one so I can play some of the games that I couldn't find. And... Uh, you know, that one's like a four disc game, I think. And I just not have I've not found one. It might be an eight disc game, even like it's <laughs> ridiculous. But the game, like I've been wanting to play it on the Commodore, like right. fully, because I played it on the actual DOS PC version, and it's awesome. Mm. And I know that the Commodore is a little bit scaled back because that's literally like almost NES in between NES and Atari styles is the Commodore, mm. and like that's what I've been wanting to play it on the Commodore sixty four because I love the Commodore. Oh, it's super. Flashback. It's like some some grew up with the uh, you know, Nintendo. I grew up with Commodore and Nintendo. I had the Commodore. I was working on you know, developing stuff and programming stuff on the Commodore while I was playing the NES at the same time. It was really crazy time playing um, Hidden Gaming Gem on the Commodore, uh, Space Taxi. That game is like excellent. So you're literally this little taxi, and you you hit the button like because you know the Commodore only uses the Atari joystick. Right. So you literally hit the button, so you you float, and there's a little gravity based system, and you have these platforms you have to land on to collect your characters, kind of like Crazy Taxi did later in 3D. Oh yeah. But this is all 2D based. They come in, they go, hey, taxi, and they actually talk. Mm-hmm. And then they go over to you and they say, pad one, please, and you take them over. And you try to avoid all the obstacles. And where the programmers got crazy was, is like another level, the whole level will be a ping pong table, and there's a giant ping pong ball going back and forth. Or they'll have like these crazy radiator towers that pull you with gravity, or there'll be a hailstorm flying, you have to like weave in and out. And the controls are spot like on the for physics, the game. The yeah. physics are excellent cool. in Space Taxi. Which makes it the gem that it is. And there was a sequel released later on computers, like Space Taxi 2, where mm-hmm. they overhauled the graphics, and the controls weren't as good. And I was like, oh man, killing my childhood here. <laughs> that game was awesome. Uh, <laughs> Classics, man. <laughs> so it looks like we have about five minutes left for our panels. We're only allowed right. to go 45 today. So the announcement we were going to do, some people trickled in and out, but this will be recorded. It'll be on the Tales from Midwest Gaming Classic. Um, so our episode one of Video Game Bullshit was has the angry video game nerd jumped the shark? We talked about the AVGN, um, how you know people that create content they hit a wall eventually when they're creating content because it's that's a lot to make videos. It's so crazy. You guys do like awesome work, 
And so we talked about it. We talked about him doing the movie and like what we would like to see. And mm. his episodes kind of went to what we were talking about. Well, for episode 100, we interviewed James. He's going to be on episode 100, a group video game nerd interview for video game bullshit episode yeah. 100 and for he the finale. Too cool. Oh, he was awesome. And we told him, we're like, so this is going to be episode 100, James. It's going to probably come out in like eight months because that's we release every couple weeks usually. Yeah. About and, 25 a year is what we shoot for. Yeah. So we got a couple more homework games that we're going to do. We got a few more interviews. Uh, we have a developer who did who did the music for Tiny Barbarian DX on the Switch. He he came on and we interviewed him. And he's also in a bunch of cartoons and stuff too. He's like uh, in a bunch. Of yeah, that one's coming. That was really cool. That was too, a really man. cool interview. Very interesting. Um, we have a couple that backed uh, VGBS Season One, which we, last year we took it to Kickstarter, put it on an NES cartridge. VGBS Season One with uh, the yes. whole synopsis oh, and yeah. did a digital release with it <laughs> because then we have like a physical copy of our se- of our podcast. It was something cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, season two will probably come out soon. Um, one of our, one of the NES homebrew guys that kind of created the hardware side. He's trying to look into where we could have a Nintendo cartridge where we could play the entire season on one cartridge in a Nintendo. Um, he says he can do it. He's the members, and you'll see him around here at the convention. He's an awesome dude. But um, yeah, he's got a lot on his plate. So hopefully he's able to do that so that way VGBS Season 2, we just up the bar to madness, and then we have to do Season 1 like that. <laughs> hopefully that hits it. Otherwise, we'll do Season 2 like Season 1, make it cool and consistent, and yeah. make it awesome. So we did like a glow-in-the-dark cartridge too for it. It was pretty cool. So since we have um, three minutes, does anybody have any hidden gaming gems they know about that you might want to bring up that we can all I'll shoot the shit about. And by having it, here we go. You guys play Zero Tolerance on the Genesis? Oh, Zero yeah. Tolerance <laughs> on the Genesis. Nice yes. It's like a first-person shooter. Yeah. Um, sci-fi style. And they did it well. And you can choose, again, it has that different, there's different characters you can choose. Each one has different strengths. It was always crazy to me because on the Super Nintendo, you always thought of that as the super-powered one, and they had to use the Super FX chip, yet we had Zero Tolerance on the Genesis, on standard, no stop. slowdown. And it was no slowdown. Lots it was amazing. Gore too. I just got to note that because that was one of the first gory games when it started to get, you know, with yeah. Doom and Mortal Kombat. It was like, whoa, you know. Zero Tolerance is an awesome example of a hidden gem. And you can For get sure. really far upon just putting it in and playing. Yeah. You get really far, so then that makes you want to play it even further. And it has a really good ramp up of difficulty. It actually allows you to build your skills with the game as it increases in difficulty like, almost perfectly. Mm-hmm. That was an awesome. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, awesome. Two player, two screen game. You can set away from that cable that allowed you to hook up a second Genesis with a second TV. Yeah. <laughs> two players. Two players with two Genesis. The genocide. Revolutionary, though. Yeah. You know, it's like Halo parties now. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember on the original Xbox having multiple, like, four different Xboxes hooked up in four different rooms, and we're playing Halo, and you, like, kill someone, and you hear, motherfucker, like, over there in the other room. Like, yeah, this is classics, man. Hilarious. And Zero Tolerance could have been the first version that did that at that level with the first-person shooter. Forerunner, yeah. With the first-person shooter, for sure. It's such like, a quality... I mean, you, you obviously you had the land nets with Doom and things too, of course. Use nets right, which is PC stuff. though. Yeah, yeah so. which is awesome. Like, yeah, classics. So that was a good one. Anybody else have a a classic? Uh, 
Game Boy Color Shantae. Game Boy Color Shantae. So again, the collector market would bring a lot of attention to it, but it's way forward. And where I can go down the bullshit river with way forward is also, how about Wendy Every Which Way for the Game Boy Color? That is an excellent game. I'm covering that one in my book for sure. And you have that uh, awesome, uh, where, where you do the gravity, because she's a witch. Oh, cool. And you can literally go to the ceiling. You can flip. It's kind of like, uh, what is it? Metal is it Fighter? Oh, wait, no, um, Metal Storm Metal on Storm. the NES. Metal Storm. It's kind of that same aspect. And it's all colored. So you yes. look at that box art, and you're like, oh, that's just, you know, Casper's friend Wendy. That's garbage. And then you play it, and you're like, that's a hidden gaming gem. Metal Storm is another gem, though. And then I saw a guy with um, a Ghost and Goblin shirt. So let's go to the Wonder Swan. Makamura for the Wonder Swan, Ghosts and Goblins, is a brand new game. Has new bosses, new enemies, sprites all cartoon drawn, it's chibi style, and it's a fair difficulty, and it looks amazing. It's on the Wonder Swan portable handheld, which Gunpei Yokai did, who the creator of the Game Boy, did the Wonder Swan. <laughs> like crazy things that was developed yes. by Bandai only in Japan. And that version of the game is excellent. It's awesome. And I was like, because everybody talks about all the chibi games on the Neo Geo Pocket system but that one had some awesome gems too so i think we got to wrap it up um so thanks everybody for coming we had a lot of people trickle in and out throughout the panel is pretty awesome because we're literally out in a new venue this year and it's been really cool Uh, thanks for coming out and we'll uh we'll shoot the shit out in the hallway after we finish here thanks Thanks.